What number is this, Chip? Zilch168. It's alive! It's alive! <laughs> the Frankensteining of the first Monkeys album. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. Today, I, Ken Mills, one of your hosts here, is joined by Tim Powers. Hi, everybody. I get to I get to sit in with Ken again. Yay. That's right. So That's much right. fun. And dude, what we have lined up for this episode is super fun. Yeah, this is this is a blast. We have done this kind of show before. Before I lay it out, I want to tell you a little bit about the origin story here. Do it in your do it in your Stan Lee voice, Ken. Over at the podcast, Zilch's <laughs> Parents Show, we have done episodes based on reconstructions of the KISS albums and used demos, covers, and live versions. This is a neat way to see, in this case here, the album in a brand new way. So today on Zilch, we will be Frankensteining the first Monkeys album. That's so cool. Dun dun dun. I know, right? Yeah, and we're going to basically reconstruct the first Monkeys album using demos, live tracks, covers. So here we are. It is indeed alive. It's alive! It's alive! <laughs> See, now, are, are you doing Clive What's-His-Name from the, from the uh, Universal, or are you doing Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein? No, I was doing the original Frankenstein yeah, me too. movie. Yep. It's alive! It's alive! He, he almost seems like he's singing it. And yeah, it. and it's it's a wonderful line. And yeah. the follow-up line, which we won't go into on this show, uh, has has been cut from some uh, from some prints of the Frankenstein film because some audiences in 1930 whatever thought it was blasphemous. Ah, wow! So they cut that right off. So it's always been a thing, folks. Always been a thing. Always been a thing. So let's begin our thing. Dude, uh, If you, the more we know about the production of the first two albums, thank you, Andrew, um, the more we realize that a lot of it was Frankenstein originally, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what you know about the Brill building and what you know about Don Kirshner and the assembly line pop music that they had in the day. Logical choice, right? If I were a TV producer and I needed music churned out in a hurry, Donnie's the guy that I would call because he, he gets it done, right? He, right, he makes right. the hits as opposed to, you know, organically beginning a band. So. Well, there's also another way to look at it, right? Like people think that the monkeys were a really unusual project. And as much as we'd like it to be, it's really not. Mm -hmm. The more that you get into pop music and any form of music, actually any form of entertainment, the more you will find that the people who have the money control what happens a lot. Uh, and it doesn't matter if your band starts in a garage and you wind up playing in Chicago and then you'll wind up in LA and you're a big, you know, musical act. They might not like your bass player. They might not like your drummer and they get replaced 
like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So everything is manipulated. Everyone thinks that like the, the weird thing is, is that the monkeys might have been the first thing that was completely honest about it, if you will. No, I'd buy that. I'd be, I'd buy that. Cause you look at, you look at manufactured pop idols before this and there weren't groups, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Nelson played his own guitar. How well he played it, arguable, right? But he was mm-hmm. backed up by a lot of the same cats that backed up the monkeys, right? Right. Uh, right. Elvis, right? Elvis was Elvis was a face and a voice, pretty much. And if you don't think Elvis was was generated just to ca- just to cash in on the R and B craze that kids were going through, you're nuts. Right. There was no way to know that Elvis would be Elvis, right? The, no. The the royal Elvis, if you will. There was no way to know, just like there was no way to know that the monkeys was going to be something that would last so many years. I mean, here we are today talking about it. Pop culture is meant to be instantaneous here today, gone later today kind of a thing. Just get that money from the kids and move on. But the monkeys have indeed survived. So today, as we reconstruct every track on the first monkeys album, we're going to start with... The theme from the monkeys. So the first first track we've got is uh, is is Tommy and Bobby's uh, demo, right? And if you listen to it, you can hear how the producer kind of changed a changed it a little bit from the from the single and the theme song that we all know in our DNA, right? We've all heard it a bazillion times, but you listen to Tommy and Bobby, and the thing that I love about Tommy and Bobby's vocals is they do this really cool Everly Brothers harmony kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And they have, they just, it works. Their voices blend so beautifully. Agreed. And uh, let's take a listen to this right now. This is, and again, we are only going to play portions of these songs because we want you to check out the actual artist work. But in this case, it's just a demo. I don't think this is available anywhere for purchase, but we have done something really neat for all of you listeners. I've made a YouTube playlist so you can listen to these songs in full. It's called The Monkey's First Album Frankenstein Mix, and there will be links in the show notes on YouTube. So this is accessible to everybody. So without further ado or further don't, it's the unreleased demo by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart from 1965, the theme from The Monkey's. Here we come. Walking down the street, we get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. People say we monkey around. We're too busy singing to put anybody down. We go wherever we want to, do what we like to do. We don't have time to get restless. There's always something new. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. We people say we monkey around. We're too busy singing to put anybody down. We just try to be friendly. Come on, sing and play. We got a good thing going. We got something to say. Look over your shoulder 
think about that i love it i mean how could how could you not love it it's just it's raw it's full of potential it's two guys who are you know the tommy and bobby were just magnificent songwriters and they could grind out a song and make it sound fantastic right um Mm -hmm. bobby has told us both the story about walking around the hollywood reservoir snapping their fingers to you know catch us if you can by the dc5 right and going, oh, that's that's the inspiration for that. And they and they were just goofing around, uh, walking around the Hollywood Reservoir, and that song came out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's even got that drum break in it too, because because like you hear the the raw energy of these two guys who were not punks. I mean, they lived in a pretty expensive neighborhood, and mm-hmm. they were good songwriters. They'd had hits, right? But they're young, and they and they see that this could be a very big break for them. And you hear that energy in their, mm-hmm. in their young voices, you know, Michael Nesmith said on one of the DVD commentaries of the pilot episode, uh, he talks about Mickey's unique vocal delivery to these voice and heart songs. And he says that he was indeed the voice of the monkeys and that something magical would happen when you would put Mickey's voice on these already cool songs. So every single time, go. right? Every single time you can think of like the, the demos that you've heard, right? Carol King's demos. You hear Mickey on top of those and they're fantastic, right? The, I mean, the thing about Mickey as, as in his younger days, right? In the monkey days as a singer is he approached it as an actor. So he would try to mimic the voice of uh, what he was given and then put his own flair on it, which is what an actor really does based on direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then now he's, he's a fully trained Broadway singer and he puts his own spin on every damn thing he gets for all of his amazing talent as a singer. I, as you point out, it definitely does seem to go back to his acting ability. He really can inhabit each song that he does and it served him well up into his newest release, which is great by the way, buy it today yeah. from seven, a records.com. That's right. <laughs> Dolan's sings Nesmith. There's a plug, and it's worth it. Yeah, it's way worth it. Um, cool. Next song, Saturday's Child, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which has been uh, covered by a couple of bands. Um, when when we were rehearsing this show, or when we were you know getting ready for things, dude, you sent me you sent me a version I'd never heard before, and I it blew my mind. Well, yeah, you know, a lot of people really didn't get a chance to hear a lot of things. And it's really sad because on the other hand, a lot of monkeys fans are kind of closed off, right? They only want to hear something if it's by the monkeys, you know what I'm saying? And that, that happens with kiss fans or ACDC fans. You become so myopic that you don't always see the bigger picture, but this kind of shows something about the strength of the song. So here is our pick for the second song, Saturday's child. It's Herman's Hermits with Saturday's Child. If you love a Wednesday, you live your life apart now. And if you love a Thursday, 
She's gonna break your heart So I'm in love with Saturday's time She drives me wild I only spend my time So that Saturday's child is mine Seven days in the week made to choose from But only one is right for me I know Saturday's not what it takes, babe I can tell by the way she looks at me From the 1967 LP, there's a kind of hush all over the world tonight. Herman's Herman's covering the monkeys. And this song, of course, was written by David Gates from Bread. That's right. He's uh, no slouch. He's he has a a string of hits as long as my arm, as they used to say. And your arm's Uh, pretty long, Ken. That's true. What I think is interesting about this particular version, right, is looking at it outside of its monkey's context. Mm-hmm. Peter Noon had a tendency to kind of play up his Manchester accent, you know? Mrs. Brown, mm-hmm. you've got a lovely daughter, right? And he would he'd right. really ham it up a little bit, you know? And coming from, much like Mickey, as a child actor, right? He approached a lot of his singing as an actor, and so so he'd put on that voice. Not present in this at all. You know, it's it's yeah. you really hear Peter Noon's real, uh, real singing voice. He's not putting anything on here at all. And he kind of, he delivers it with actually not a small amount of soul. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite songs by the Herman's Hermans is No Milk Today. Yeah. Very underrated. Very, mm-hmm. very underrated. Great, great song. So up next on our Frankensteining or reconstructing the first Monkeys album, it's I Want to Be Free which has been a big piece for Davy Jones throughout his career. And a lot of people may be surprised and that this all started out as an attempt to try to do yesterday. Doesn't surprise me at all when you, when you hear it and the, you know, that finger picking guitar and the, and the, and the strings underneath it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you were going to, if, if you were going to take, if you were going to borrow from the biggest band in the world, why not borrow from what is arguably one of their most accessible signature songs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my grandmother knew yesterday. You know, she didn't know I am the walrus, but she knew yesterday. Right? Every that's it's one of the most covered songs in history, right? Right. So, you know, when when you when you're putting together a in quote Beatles, you should have an in quote yesterday. Absolutely. And this song predates the Monkeys project, like instead of like theme from the monkeys what else are you going to write that for right Right. (laughs) yeah but this goes way back before (laughs) there was even a thought of a monkeys boyce and hart had written this it was an attempt for them to rewrite the song yesterday and it had very close instrumentation to the original song yesterday so that's kind of felt in the i want to be free in which they incorporate a string quartet Along with the theme from the Monkees and Let's Dance On, it was one of the first songs written for the group, but it was also the only song written for the Monkees' first album, which was not written under the deadline pressure. And then we've got an acoustic guitar and a harpsichord and the wonderful Davy Jones. Of course, we know that there was a faster version of the song that was recorded for the uh, 
for the pilot the pilot the pilot yeah and uh this this song's been all over the place were you surprised to hear of the song that we're playing today um well i i had heard it before because i mm-hmm. had watched the uh i you know when the when the VHS tapes came out, right. And they had the master cut of the pilot with Tommy and Bobby on it. I wasn't mm-hmm. surprised to hear that. What I was surprised to learn later in life is that when Davy's version was recorded, it was just Bobby with his guitar, finger picking his guitar with Davy doing the vocals in one take. Amazing. Which I thought Amazing. was really, really cool. And I'm a big fan of the, of the faster version. Let's play it. And then I want to talk about a point that, uh, that we, were, we were discussing in preparation for the show uh, about the influence that the song had. All right. So here's the fast version just to give you a taste of that. song that you heard in the pilot for the monkeys right um so according to tommy boyce right and and mm-hmm. you said this in in uh, in our preparation that song the 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 version on the album was a was a favorite song by jimmy webb who wrote wichita lineman and macarthur park this song in, inspired by the time i get to phoenix Right, which was a hit for for uh, for Dean Martin and Glenn Campbell, um, and was a was a hit for the country charts. Right in '67, absolutely amazing that one song can kick off into another great song, which can kick off into another great song. That's one of the beautiful things about art, right? Right. You can look at it cynically as like, well, I want to do this kind of a thing as a ripoff, but really. That's game meets game, right? <laughs> when you sure. when you have a great song like yesterday that leads to a great song like I Want to Be Free that leads to By the Time I Get to Phoenix, good Lord, look at, that's a post office on a cosmic grand scale, right? <laughs> right. Well, I, and, and it's not unheard of, right? I mean, we're three for three on songs that were inspired or inspired other songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not unusual. Rubber Soul led to pet sounds led to sergeant pepper led to everything that came after it yeah yeah absolutely but here are the the authors if you will of i want to be free tommy boyce and bobby hart from their album i wonder what she's doing tonight with their version of i want to be free i want to be Bye. 
beside me Stay close enough to guide me Confide in me go yep can that whole album i wonder what she's doing tonight is so much more than the hit single there's there's so much good stuff on that album if if uh if you own a copy i encourage you to dust it off drop it on your turntable pop it in your cd player or whatever and just play it start to finish because you really hear what great songwriters and what good singers tommy and bobby were or are in bobby's case you really have to like thank the fates that Boyce and Hart were part of the monkeys because without them, think of all we wouldn't have. It's, it's just, you, you can never say enough about them. So yeah, definitely pick up the album. I wonder what she's doing tonight. It's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Track four, tomorrow's going to be another day written by Tommy Boyce and Steve Vinay sung by Mickey Dolan's on the album. Mm-hmm. And this one, we have a couple different takes on, right? Yeah. Oh, I I love that. I love the first one we're going to play. Right. Cause um, it's, Oh, the drums on it are so good. Right. And don't get me wrong. Everybody on the wrecking crew who played on this entire album, the instrumentation is fantastic all the way through, but shadows of night was a, was a self-contained band and mm-hmm. they had a chemistry playing together and the drums on the shadow of nights version of this are so tasty. They're so good. Well, Mr. DJ Man, you want to cue it up? Well, we've been playing the single Backdoor Men by Shadows of Night right here on Zilch, a Monkey's podcast. We're going to flip it over. Here's the B-side. Tomorrow's going to be another day right here on Zilch, a Monkey's podcast. good that was recorded back in 1966 don't you love it man 1966 so that means that the cover is actually the monkeys version right uh you know technically most monkey songs are covers right yeah other than the ones that that any of the four fellas wrote themselves they're technically all covers right Mm -hmm. i'm (laughs) I'm gonna get mail on that one uh then we found another one 
Yes. And this one, I guess, also predates the monkey. So keep in mind that Boyce and Hart and a lot of songwriters will make a demo reel or whatever, and they'll try to sell their songs because that's what pays the bills. That's what keeps the lights on and buys pools and new cars. So, um, and pays for second wives and things like that. Uh, (laughs) So this song was probably put on something and management teams would get these demos and they would say, "You, you, you know, the, those were the guys that had the cigars. They'd like, listen, boys, you should do this song, right? Yeah. So from Boulder, Colorado, the band The Astronauts doing a song that was very popular in the 60s by the Monkees with Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day. <laughs> actually see them perform this on our youtube playlist right about this album so there we go i watched them play this and i and i i was like oh this is just gonna be another you know lousy garage band another bunch of you know high school posers but man i i watched them kind of kind of have some fun with this they were uh, you know a legit band with some some real chops and they were they were having fun and they were in sync with each other you know, mm-hmm. which is not to be confused with NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys. No, uh, who also don't have fan podcasts. So they're. I want I wonder if they do. I wonder if they oh, do. I'm sure they do. But they if don't not, have Tim. We need to start one. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's nothing. Two middle aged guys need to talk about more than the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> that would that would be great. Up next on our reconstructing the monkeys. It's alive yes, is. Track five, Papa Jean's Blues, written by Michael Nesmith, with uh, Michael on lead vocals, of course. We all know and love this song. And today for our reconstruction, we've got two different takes on it. One is from Floyd Kramer off the album Floyd Kramer Plays the Monkeys. Yeah, there's a whole album of instrumental monkey stuff right by by floyd kramer the you know a guitar a fish uh, a guitar uh virtuoso right brilliant brilliant player and they're mm-hmm. all instrumental on it it's it's a fun record it's it's not a high rotation record for me but <laughs> but it's a fun one to hear it's kind of like the uh american version of the hard days night soundtrack yeah i'll buy that where you hear like swing and jazz versions of the beatles songs yep kind of cool you know, you, you have to wonder, like, what was the reasoning for this? Like, if this if this project was, a, you know, aimed at 12-year-olds, let's say. Yeah. How many of those are like, I really need a instrumental swing slash country version of the Monkees songs? You know, I just, 
Uh, man, there were all kinds of ripoff records. Yeah. Remember the 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 monkey? What is it? The one the one with the chimp on the cover playing the yes. guitar. I think it's called Monkey Business. There yeah. was a Hollywood Strings play the monkeys. There was a one hundred and one strings instrumental for your grandma. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> a monkeys record, which was which was weird. You're old enough to remember the old uh, Pickwick mm-hmm. record label, right? Yep. And uh, they used to their records used to find their way into record bins and, and you'd see like, oh, Paul McCartney and Wings hits. Right. And you you pull it out. You go, I've never seen this cover see, before. Yeah. And then you take it home and it's a sound alike band doing Paul McCartney and Wings. And you're like, oh, man, they got my 350. I'm so mad. Yep. You know, Absolutely. so I, I wonder if that's kind of the mindset, because you're going to find this in the bin with the monkeys and the hardcore fans. And we've all been there. will yep. buy anything with the double e's on it right so i don't know this one has this one has a little merit let's dig it all right let's check it out produced by the chet atkins it's papa jeans blues from floyd kramer Fantastic. Yep. You know, it, it does hold up. It yeah. translates well. It really does. And then you found this other one, which is kind of uh, kind of fun. Yeah, this is from 2018. So it still keeps on going. Earlier in the show, I said, who knew that 50 some years later that, you know, this would still be happening. And here we are from 2018. It's Papa Jean's Blues by 40 Horse Mule. It's all rolled up in you And now with you is inspiration I'll look toward a destination Sunny bright that once before was blue I have no more than I did before Now I've got all that I need For I love you and I know you love me So take my hand Boy, you can get your country onto that, huh? Man, no, no kidding, no kidding. You put on your nudie suit, boys and girls. There you go, absolutely. Uh, fun stuff. And I know that Jay McDowell is digging that that track right there. It's a good, it's a good cut, and it's a it's a uh, nice little cover, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. The next cut's a Carol King song, right? So she makes her appearance on here. It, mm-hmm. Jerry Goffin and Carol King wrote "Take a Giant Step," track six, right? And they're, you know, um, they're Brill Building songwriters. Um, first time the Brill, the Brill Building shows up on this album. And, uh, you know, Carol's had a string of hits up to this point. Um, you know, the guys have said that this is kind of a little, their little wink to psychedelia. Um, and so I think, Ken, what we should do is play a little bit of Carol's 
um, demo for this, right? So you can hear it kind of as it was as it was created. We all know the version that's on the album, but let's fade into or cut to the Taj Mahal version, which ah, so is we're doing written like by a live twofer. Yeah, we're like, like a live it up like a couple DJs here. Well, that's what we do, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Taj Mahal was a was was kind of an R and B, jazz, fusion, rock and roll kind of guy. Um, just absolutely soulful. And he takes, he takes a monkey song and he puts the soul on the two and the four. (laughs) Two and the four. There you go. So without further ado or further don't, here is Carol King with her original demo of Take a Giant Step, which we will fade into Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal's daughter, Deva Mahal, recently put out a version of this. Check this out. I encourage you to buy this. This is really good. It's time it's 
was fantastic. And of course, the one, the only Peter Tork also covered it on his Stranger Things Have Happened album. There's just no percentage in remembering the past. It's time you learn to live again at last. Come with me, leave yesterday behind. And take a giant step outside your mind. Taste of life is green And every day holds wonders to be seen Come with me, leave yesterday behind And take a giant step outside your mind Come with me, leave yesterday behind And take a giant step outside your mind Outside your mind there we go we crazy hope we right blow your mind oh, i hope we did blow your mind didn't i blow your mind this time didn't i didn't i yeah <laughs> <laughs> two old guys making music jokes welcome to the show oh, folks. yeah but that is that is just so cool to hear both the uh where things start and the influences and where they spread it's all over the world and now it's time to if you're out sunning by the pool, it's time to flip over because we're going to flip over the album, our virtual album. It's alive. It's alive. Yeah. We're going to flip it over and we're going to find the last train to Clarksville. There are 10 million different versions of this song, which is kind of weird because I look at like daydream believer and I look at last train to Clarksville and like outside of just, finding joy in playing it i don't know what you think you're going to bring to it do you know what i'm saying like for example not every song works out great when you cover it like if you would have told a young ken mills in 1977 that there's going to be this band van halen that's going to do the kinks you really got me and it's going to sound good i would have said they they shouldn't even show up that day but lightning struck twice and they did it right yeah uh, and they did it again with uh, with another Kinks cut. But I mean, right. there are, uh, to your point, there are songs that are just iconic to their artists, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, a cover of Jailhouse Rock doesn't sound right when anybody else does it. A cover of Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd doesn't sound right, be- or, or Dark Side of the Moon just doesn't mm-hmm. sound right when anybody else does it, right? And this one, as the guys say in concert, the one that started it all, right? They mm-hmm. they put the hit single, track one, side two, which is a pretty conventional thing to do on right. albums of, of that era. And man, it is, I mean, just produced. So we could do a whole episode just on the production of uh, this single, right? And mm-hmm. apparently it was such a hit that, the, to your point, there were 10 million covers of this. And we're going to play little bits of uh of some of them uh that range from jazz to to motown to uh you know a grungy 60s bar band to straight up weird country and even new wave yeah so uh how would you describe cassandra wilson's version 
I would describe Cassandra Wilson's version as the smooth jazz version. Yes, high atop the... Right, from the elegant pomp room of the Vangus and Palmer House, high over Chicago, asking that musical question, should you take a mint before coffee-flavored kisses? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. A taste of Cassandra Wilson doing Last Train to Clarksville. Take the last train to Clarksville And I'll meet you at the station You can be here by 4.30 Cause I made your reservation Don't be slow And up next, you can't get, you know, for prestige and coolness, the four tops. Man, yeah. So, I mean, so you think about what the four tops were recording at the time, right? They got they got Reach Out and Bernadette with Levi Stubbs just belting with that wonderful rasp in the back of his throat, right? They, I mean, for, for the Motown groups, they were kind of the Rolling Stones of Motown. They were like the guys who would beat you up. <laughs> you know where the, t- the temptations are the beatles and they're the nice guys hello how's it going but and the and the four tops were like the guys that were that had just a little bit of dirt on them a little bit of grunge right mm-hmm. and and they did a cover check it out Fantastic. Love the four tops. Love Motown. Just amazing. Again, it just shows the strength of the song, right? That this can be picked up by all these different genres and the the energy of the song and, and the joy of it. It's still there. So, Ken, imagine that you're at Hitsville, USA, right? And you're the mm-hmm. four tops and you got to tell the Funk Brothers, the session band for Motown, hey, we're going to do Last Train to Clarksville. Right. Can you imagine the hue and cry as the band goes, we're going to do what? Right. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and then Smokey or Barry walks in and goes, you guys want to get paid? And go, yeah, we want to get paid. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Just that quick. Yep. Up next is something I've never heard of until I threw the net out for this, but it's the damnation of Adam Blessing. 
think of this one i think it's delightfully weird i think that uh you know any piece of art is subject to interpretation and what they did with this is certainly their prerogative on it i don't know that i would own a copy of this record but i certainly enjoyed it for what it was Mm -hmm. and it's weird because when the monkeys first came out they were supposed to be america's new teen answer to the beatles right right well in the late 70s the answer to the beatles was the knack And we all love the knack. We know him from my Sharona fame and they were saddled with that. The next Beatle label. Well, here they are live doing last train to Clarksville. Let's check it out. And up next, from yes. the stacks of the 60s and more coolness, you take this one, buddy. Oh, I love this record. Uh, this is from the album uh, Hot Ones by the Standells. And the Standells, you'll know from their hit Dirty Water. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a band on the Sunset Strip. Like, their club burned down during the riots, right? And they were, I mean, they, they were... Uh, People call them the grandfathers of punk because they were just this gritty, um, you know, uh, long haired band before other bands were long haired. And they used to play at the clubs up and down the strip and they were tough. Right. Um, And man, what I love about this is uh, Larry Tamlin's keyboards throughout and the drums on this. There's just so much fun in this. And dude, this 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 record was literally recorded in a garage in uh in in los angeles um so here's uh, one of my favorite bands the standells uh 
covering last yeah from a garage covering last train to Clarksville. So it's weird, uh, you know, garage bands were such a huge part of the the music of the 60s. And it's like later you listen to things like She, right? That's that's basically a garage rock song. Or Stepping Stone, right? Yeah, e- Stepping Stone, exactly. E-G-A-C, right? Any, yeah. any, dude with, any dude who's owned a guitar for more than a week knows those four chords. Right. So here is Last Train to Clarksville by way of the Beatles, by way of Boyce and Hart, by way of the monkeys by way of the garage again. So it went back to the garage, (laughs) if you will. So up next is a version by Ed Bruce. on that one tim i don't know anything about ed bruce other than he clearly was uh you know is a fan of this song right and and was just having fun with it and then we have an icon from the entertainment of the 70s Uh, i mean he he had music out in the 60s and everything but he later became a movie star a tv star he was on every variety special in the 70s and it's jerry reed with his very country version of Last Train of Clarksville, which, let's be honest, this really is a country song for all intents and purposes. Well, you know, you think about a guy like Jerry Reed, right? Mm-hmm. And and he's got a very signature sound, right? It's like he's inescapably, when you're hot, you're hot, right? And when you're not, you're not. And when you're not, you're not. Um, however, Jerry Reed was an amazing guitar player, like mm-hmm. an absolute Glenn Campbell-level uh, country style guitar picker. Yep. And I can see why this track was, was uh, attractive to him. If he was in fact the producer, cause it's got that cool lick and he gets to play around with it. And it's got that little jangly thing that he can do. Um, you know, and for all I know, it's just a cash in, you know, well, kids like last train to Clarksville, I'll go ahead and lay it down. But now I'm going to go with what you just said about the guitar. Yeah. 
there's footage of Jerry Reed and Glenn Campbell picking on the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour, and they tear it up. Like, you can tell that they had fun, and the camera fades to black, and I just imagine that they just kept playing at <laughs> CBS Studio City for like an hour, you know, just having fun, tricking luck. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Take that last train to Clarksville And I'll meet you at the station You can be there by 4.30 Cause I got your reservation Don't be slow Oh, no, no, no I love you so Because I'm leaving in the morning And I must see you again We'll have one more night together Before the morning brings my train And I must go no, 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 I love you so. And honey, I don't know if I'm ever coming home. Yeah, so that was okay. Jerry Reed. There you cool. go. Our next track, This Just Doesn't Seem to Be My Day, which is a pivotal track on this album. It's, uh, they all are, though, right? Well, the, the whole album, you know, was the was the fuse that launched the entire thing, right? And mm-hmm. we've all heard uh, the first album a bazillion times. If you're listening to this show, odds are good you're familiar with every track on the first album. And, I mean, this one got, for being an album track, right and not a single it got a mm-hmm. fair amount of coverage on the tv show yeah that and along with take a giant step i would say have kind of the same spot you know what i mean as far as uh, love and acceptance and all that indeed and uh and you know people have said that the signature monkey sound which is hard to define but that that the monkeys have a a knack for taking um a downbeat mood and putting it in an upbeat tempo. Right. Mm. So, uh, so you can take, you know, they like do upbeat breakup songs. Forget that girl, for example, is, is trim is peppy and upbeat. And it could be about puppies and sunshine and rainbows, but instead, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's about, ah, she's, she's evil. Now it's weird. I'm not comparing the monkeys to power pop or saying that they're of that genre, but often when people speak about power pop, they're happy sounding songs about depressing things. So it's, it's interesting that that's there. And, you know, you mentioned the sound of the monkeys. What is that? But the same thing can be said about the sound of the Beatles, right? Because it stretches so many genres, so many different boundaries, so many different voices and everything. But at the end you can just tell, Oh, that's the monkeys right but you know if you compare this album with please please me you know there's a solid beatles sound right Mm -hmm. because it was it's the four guys who workshopped everything in hamburg for years and years Mm -hmm. and years with this album it is as opposed to hot dog right it is the um (laughs) yeah thanks thanks for that um <laughs> this album is a you know it has different producers it has different songwriters people have different agendas for every song being on there you know there would not be a sweet young thing or a papa jeans blues on you know on a on a rock and roll album except that Nesmith threw a fit <laughs> 
You know, mm-hmm. Kirshner's told that story a million times. They're standout tracks. They're great. But there isn't really, and Nesmith has said this, there isn't really uh, a unified monkey's sound because it wasn't, you know, at its, at its uh, embryonic, it was not a cohesive unit. You know, these, mm. you know, these were, this is not an artist's movement and the culmination of all of their efforts up to this point. This is a lot of people involved in making a lot of music and consequently a lot of money. Very good. And that's good for everybody involved. Right. And there's something on this record for everyone. That's true. That's true. This just doesn't seem to be my day. Of course, Davey got the lead vocal on this and we are going to turn to our friends. First, we have, we, 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 we've got two of them on here, but we're going to turn to our friends over at the Golden Gate Strings. And for those who don't know about it, there's an album called The Golden Gate Strings, The Monkey's Songbook, which was originally released back in 1967. Occasionally, if you're at a flea market or something, you might be lucky enough to bump into this. What can you tell us about this album? I can tell you that you shouldn't pay more than $2 for it. Uh, it, is, uh, it is full of instrumental tracks for, uh, you know, of um, its instrumental versions of monkey songs played by uh, what is believed to be uh, a large um, Percy Faith type orchestra. So imagine, you know, the imagine Boyce and Hart going through a uh, theme to a summer place. Right. There's a lot of strings. There's a lot. It's the music like growing up in the 60s and 70s when you were waiting in the doctor's office and you'd hear elevator yes. music. This is pretty much elevator music versions of uh, of monkeys uh, tracks. And, you know, released in 67, they're doing stuff off the first two or three albums. Um, it's it's fun to listen to. It's not like I said earlier, this is not a high rotation album in my collection. Mm-hmm. But like every now and then when you just want to flip somebody out and you go, hey, listen to this. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to play and you go, wait a minute. Why, why is, why is sweet young thing being played by a thousand violins? It's hilarious. Well, it could be worse. I know that you being a fellow radio guy, uh, we love WKRP in Cincinnati, right? Oh yes. There's a scene where Dr. Johnny fever is waking up from napping while he's on the mic and he turns the, the pot up and he hears, an orchestral uh, philharmonic Percy Faith kind of thing of, and you're having my baby right now. What a lovely way of saying how much you love me. Yep, that's, and that's a, that's the pilot episode, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that that stuck with me forever. It's just a funny, funny moment. But without further ado or further ado, here is this just doesn't seem to be my day by the Golden Gate Strings off the album The Monkey's Songbook. <laughs> Thank you. 
And so there you go, Ken. If you ever want to, you know, if anyone in the audience wants to use this album as an appetite suppressant, that's a good thing for it. Yeah. As opposed to dinner music, it's anti-dinner music. <laughs> Too true, my friend. But then... As fate would have. As fate would have it, somebody else took a took a bite of this and did a fine job, right? Off uh, off Parlophone. Parlophone. I've never been able to pronounce that. Parlophone. Yeah. There you go. Okay. From Parlophone UK. This is from 1967. Fuzz Pop Beat. Uh, this this is weird. Uh, Roger Denenson with his cover of This Just Doesn't Seem to Be My Day. And it is a very quirky, odd cover of the Monkey song. It was from a 20-year-old guy who made this two singles and then vanished. The B-side of this was She Wanders Through My Mind, as opposed to Wanders Through My Mind. See what I did there? Yeah, Wonder, very clever. Wander. Yeah. yeah. Vocal, uh, visual well, pun. Yeah, it's it's the last time I'll be clever, so I, I promise. All right. So here we go. It's Roger Dennison with This Just Doesn't Seem to Be My Day. that in your frankenstein version of the monkey's first album what do, what do you think of this one tim i love it it's trippy you know i love that fuzzy guitar thing if i didn't know better i'd say this was produced by by you know like joe meek the guy who did mm. telstar and gave us heinz you know and and mm. uh you know had a very british sound but it's still got that kind of it's it's very british but it's got that that gritty fuzz underneath it you know yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Psychotic Reaction. Oh, yeah. A song that was also a hit during the first couple weeks of the Monkees TV show being on the air. Count five, kids. Look it up on YouTube. That's right. That's right. And here is one of the, I'm going to say, least favorite songs on this album, even though our co-host Craig Cohen of Years Gone By loves this song. It's the Monkees with Let's Dance On, but... We have a couple different takes on it. Uh, why do you think this this song is not looked on as one of the standouts? I've never been able to figure that out other than the fact that it's um, 
not the most complex of uh, mm-hmm. this is basically when when you put a band together, right? You learn you learn Louie Louie within the first right. week, right? And especially if there are four guys who never played together before, you crank out Chuck Berry or you crank out Louie Louie. This is kind of and obviously they don't want to do a cover because the covers aren't published by Screen Gems. So mm-hmm. in my mind. You know, Kirshner goes, you know what? The guys are going to play live. Let's give them a song we know anybody can play. Right. And Plus, it's a good song to get tied up to. You know, if you're into that, that's your business, Ken. <laughs> well, no, there's the episode where Valerie Vinay is uh, tied up with Davy Jones by the jukebox and they're playing Let's Dance On. Right. So if you ever want to be tied up with Valerie Vinay, hey. And who wouldn't want to seriously, be? We love her. Val, we love She's you, Val. Awesome. And she's really nice to the fans, by the way. So if you're listening, mm-hmm. thank you for that. This, I mean, this is just a this is just a fun little three chord song that you know most bands can play. Are the lyrics super intelligent back to back with "This just doesn't seem to be my day" or something that Carol King wrote? No, but it wasn't intended to be. Right. I think that if you were to say that the Monkees, as a band, played this song, you know, which which makes you think about the origins of the Monkey. I mean, it was never explained how these guys met. The first song they played together, like there's no origin story of the monkeys, right? There's there's not that episode. It's right. not a thing. It never was. And it's probably good that there wasn't because it, it uh, would mess with our heads. We all get to make our own, you know? Yeah, exactly. But this would be one of the first songs that the early monkeys, like the early Beatles, would have played. If I was if, forming if a band today, this is one of the first songs. This and like... <laughs> You really got me, and Louie Louie and Gloria are the are the first songs I would teach, and Stepping Stone, right? I would teach all those to the rest of the band. So we have a couple songs here that we're going to pick. The first one is from Boys Night Out, released in June of two thousand twenty (laughs) one. I did not. That's not a typo. Check this out. Brand spanking new. Let's dance on by something called by a band called. The Sonic Dolls. What'd you think of that Man, one? Uh, you know, if you're going to put Sonic in your name, you got to pay tribute to the Sonics. And that's the beauty of uh, this song. It can lend itself to that kind of, uh, kind of fun little um, um, interpretation. Interpretation. Yeah. I mean, this, it, this, this, could, if the lyrics were different, this could be a punk song, you know? Yeah. And, and I like, I love their arrangement. Uh, the next, do you have any any thoughts on this? What do you think, man? No, it was just I was just amazed that it came out <laughs> last month. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, how many how many covers of basically almost like the B side? You know, if if this were uh, a side and B side, this would be the B side of something else. So, yep, you know. And then we we have another twenty first century cover on top of that. Mm-hmm. From two thousand five, intro it. 
It's the Morels. The album's called Think About It, their cover of Let's Dance On. Let's dance on. Ooh, baby, come on. Yeah, let's dance on till the dawn and have fun till the music's all gone. Thoughts on that one, Tim? Man, I don't know. I still like the, I still like the Sonic Dolls better, man. Your thoughts? Uh, it, it'll never take the place of the original in my heart. Well, and keep in mind that the original Let's Dance On is always on Craig Cohen's party mix. As so it should if you're be, partying, man. If you're partying at uh, Craig's house, make sure you bring Val, Davey, and the rope. So there you go. <laughs> Up next. We're getting kicked off Apple for this one. That's right. <laughs> the next one, man, we've you and I have had conversations about this record since we met, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The I'll Be True to You, which was, you know, it was an existing hit. So for all intents and purposes, this is one of the few covers, um, you know, legit covers on the album because it uh, it peaked in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it did anything in the U.S., not too much, not too much, but this cover is by the Hollies, and it's not called I'll Be True to You, is it, Tim? No, they uh, they took the next line, and they called it Yes, I Will. Listen very carefully for uh, for Graham Nash underneath those glorious uh, lead vocals, and you hear some really nice, great music work by, uh, by the rest of the Hollies. Mm-hmm. You want to read this description here, this little bit of info we have? Yes, I Will, also known as I'll Be True to You, is a song written by Goffin and Russ Teitelman. Uh, The song was recorded in 64 by the British beat group The Hollies, who released it as a single in January 65. It peaked at number nine in the UK. Uh, Two versions were released by The Hollies. Uh, An alternative take with prominent acoustic guitars and a different intro was included on the Greatest Hits album in the UK. Uh, it is often described as erroneous because it doesn't reflect what was heard on the single. Um, and then uh, an Australian group called the Twilights also recorded a version. So we're playing we're playing the single version with without the uh, snazzy intro, right? We're playing the single that right. uh, if you right. were yeah. if you were a, a young mod in England in uh, 1964, this is what you were partying to and what you put on the charts around Christmas time. Playing it for all the beat girls out there that can't make up their mind. Which version of this do they like? Right? <laughs> That's right. But uh. it's interesting to think of this song being out there and the Hollies who no slouches at all. But uh, Hollies were a great I wonder band. what they thought. They were Hollies were Hollies were fun, man. If you start digging into their album cuts there, they were doing some interesting stuff. And uh, and the, the guys in the band. The guitar player for the Hollies is is amazing. He's fantastic, yeah. you know. 
Love him. Love him. And, you know, Graham Nash. Great drummer, too. Great drummer. Solid drummer. No question. And then, you know, you got Graham Nash, who is, other than, you know, Phil Everly, probably the greatest high harmony singer in rock and roll. And, of course, Alan White rounding it out on lead. It's It's a great band and a really underrated band. And when you really get into their singles... Once you get past their like, uh, you know, they they were kind of like the Beatles, you know, they relied on covers and then they blossomed into doing some great stuff. And then you'll wind up with Bus Stop and Stop, Stop, Stop and just all those great songs. I love them to pieces. I mean, Bus Stop is a classic and the Hollies survived in through the 70s. Yeah. Right. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. And uh, later, Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. Yep. They not only survived the musical trends, but many hairstyles. I'll just <laughs> let that go at that. Uh, and continued despite Graham moving on to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and or not young. <laughs> and right now, and not Crosby. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it could be Crosby, Stills, Nash, and old. That could be <laughs> a lineup. Anyway, that's enough of that. That was that wonderful track from the Hollies. Love them to pieces. And up next is Sweet Young Thing. Right. Goffin King and Nesmith put together Sweet Young Thing. Now, Ken, you'll know better than me. Uh, Is this the song that has the uh, has the story behind it where Nes made Carol King cry? I don't know anything about that. I I remember reading a story that that Nes was, uh, let's say, so opinionated that uh that carol king burst into tears and refused to work with him after that i don't know if that's true uh, you know you read a lot of stuff right i don't know well, all I, all i do know is that i know that something very strange is happening to my brain that's i do truth. know that much so I do know that much. and it was a challenge for us to find a cover of this it, it shows up 
on one of those instrumental albums, like the the Hollywood Strings or the, you know, one of those elevator, there's two elevator music albums and it shows up on one of them, if not both of them. And, and there are, of course, the uh, dedicated monkey tribute albums, but we wanted to go beyond that or even closer to home sometimes. And this time we went with something that even a lot of, sadly, a lot of monkeys fans don't own. Really, uh, I, I find it. Yeah, I, I find it strange that there are monkeys fans that there is a subsect of monkeys fans that they have the first four albums or five albums and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those are those are great albums. You're, you're selling yourself sort on a lot of stuff. But I got to tell you, Ken, the album that we're about to play this cut from is an acquired taste. It, I remember it I remember is. getting it like cause it came out the same week as the first volume of Missing Links in, I think, mm-hmm. 1988. And uh, it was it's hard to listen to because there aren't very many quality live recordings from 1967 of any band, including our boys. Right. And for those of you who were there, uh, I did not have the opportunity to be there live in a, a, at a monkey's show in 1967. But the sonic disruption of uh, a million teenage girls screaming kind of made it hard to hear the band. You've heard Mickey say he couldn't he couldn't hear himself and that he learned to keep time by watching Nesmith's ankle, you know, watching his right. heel bump up and down. And that's how he kept time. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and you're on stage. So, you know, so what we have is is the live track, Sweet Young Thing, from live 1967. Mm-hmm. And for good or for bad, it is what we have. You said it's what we have. So it is what we have, meaning that not only are we going to play it, but this is the artifact, folks. You should check it out. Listen to the whole album. Get it if you can off of the monkeys live 1967 some group called the monkeys i i I think they have a future playing this i've heard of them um with sweet young thing live and now let us take you if we may down south of louisiana the cajun country with a sucker to me sound of sweet young thing go the monkeys themselves along with 10,000 screaming 13 year old girls probably some of some of you were the ones who were screaming that's right i was that boy and you were that girl <laughs> and sounding like a great garage band that's the you thing know, just man having fun yeah i mean left to their own device that's why i love playing headquarters sessions which we'll get to in another episode sometimes but you you i mean you get to hear the sound that these guys made 
you know, mm-hmm. and it's fun. You're right. They are at, you know, like Nesma said, we, I don't know that we ever really play good, but we learn to play loud. And that's the beauty of a good garage band. And they, you know, they were having fun. And I mean, who wouldn't have fun when you walk off stage and somebody hands you a big bag of money? I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it too. Yeah. Up next is a song that Davy Jones seemed cosmically aligned to perform one way or another. <laughs> it seemed like it is fate. This is going to buy me a dog with Mickey and Davy that had those wonderful exchanges back and forth that made this something that we loved. It was amazing how that ended this really trippy, schizophrenic, wonderfully weird album. And Dwight Yoakam has talked about his love for this song many times. And he's, he's mentioned that there was just something that grabbed his attention. He might not have understood everything that was going on on the, the monkeys album when he was so young, but that song was like an open door to him just as much as the rift to last train to Clarksville right. was right. It was, it was just as much. And instead of it being a musical thing, it was to the personalities of this band, which I think is why we wound up with uh, a lot of the producers of the monkeys albums, trying to have a funny song that would replicate something that would happen on the show, be it Percival, you know, Porky's Percival, that that one or laugh even. Right. I think there was something that they wanted to have something that represented that these guys are comedians as well as this musical. Anti Griselda or what have you. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing about what made, you know, the impression that the show and the group and the personalities made on so many of us is they were funny and they were they were guys. That's the success of any uh, primetime sitcom. Are these people you want to hang out with? Yeah, I would love to hang out at that beach house and play guitar with the guys and, you know, ride around on unicycles and, and, you know, switch switch costumes really fast. Of course, who what eight year old would that's hilarious. It's a lot of fun. You know, I'm 58 and still want to. Well, that's what we do around the Zilch Clubhouse, man. That's right. And you take some time to monkey around. Right. Right. Uh, You know, you mentioned Auntie Griselda, right? Yeah. And I just just. I always hear like the stones in that in some weird way. Like I would love to hear like mother's little helper era stones do anti Griselda. Just imagine Mick taking that vocal. Yep. It, it, I mean, it has that kind of bump, right. Kind of thing. Yeah. It would have been a real up yours to, you know, society in a way that the monkeys might not have been able to, you know, but anyway, we're getting off. The beaten path. Um, as we're looking at gonna buy me a dog, there's there's three different things that we're going to play to you. The first one we've played on Zilch before. Here is Davy Jones from 1965 performing Gonna Buy Me a Dog a year before the song appeared on the first Monkeys LP. Now Davy was a guest on a sitcom called The Farmer's Daughter, which was also a Screen Gems production. Yeah, and he was in a band called Mo Hill and the Mountains, which is the name of the episode. <laughs> and uh, the video is on the playlist that we have provided for you, and you can see Davy in a closet singing into a reel-to-reel tape recorder. And as as it turns out, this is the same room and the same reel-to-reel tape recorder that is the one that Michael Nesmith did his screen test in from the Monkeys pilot episode. Here comes the Monkeys. So check that out, huh? The Farmer's Daughter was from Season 3, Episode 16, as Tim called it. Uh, It is Molehill and the Mountains and was originally broadcast on January 7th, 1966. So 
Now, in Nesmith's screen test, he references the farmer's daughter, and he, you know, he even says to the uh, to the producers, "Hey, listen, on the farmer's daughter, do you know what's in that drawer?" Right, and you can hear him uh, reference mm-hmm. reference that show. Uh, farmer's daughter did not have as long a life <laughs> in in American culture as uh, as some shows, but uh, still enjoyable. You know, '60s family sitcom. Let's give it a spin, huh? Ready, ready, ready. Ready? One, two. One, two, three, four. Oh, well, my girl just called me up and wrote me some hot tips. You should have heard the thing she said. You know she hurt my feelings. I'm gonna find me a dog. Cause I need a friend now. I'm gonna find me a dog. Davy Jones, somehow from England, wound up on the set of Farmer's Daughter in the plot. Somehow it was believable that Davy Jones wound up there, just like it later was believable that he wound up in California at a beach house where they had to pay rent but never seemed to have to earn money to do it. So anyway, I don't know. It's all it's all make-believe, folks. I'm telling you, it's it's all that liquid paper money, man. There you go. <laughs> it's all that liquid paper money. So there. So if we were to do the origins of the monkeys, that would have been yeah, a thing. Betty Graham. So it could have been a plot point. She you know? she financed the entire thing. All right. Uh, the next track is also a Colpix release, but this was legitimately released on a forty-five. What a weird name. Gamaguchi is uh, is the name of the artist slash band. Um, and yeah, this one has a pretty strong R and B influence. Mm-hmm. It was influenced by Rufus Thomas's hit "Walking the Dog." Let's give it a spin. This is Gamaguchi. I'm going to buy me a dog uh, from here. I'll do my best, Andrew Sandoval. Uh, it's Colpix label, seven eighty six. Gamaguchi. No, I'm not even going to try and impersonate Andrew. He does such a great job. Can we plug his show, by the way? Sure. Yeah, we need to plug. His oh show. heavens! Come to the Sunshine is such an enjoyable show. Uh, about every week or so, Andrew uh, plays these hidden gem forty fives. And they're phenomenal. And he'll introduce them by label, by uh, release number. He'll play alternate tracks. He'll tell you who the session cats are on it and everything. It's for, for music geeks like you and me, man. It is, it's so much fun. I haven't missed an episode in years. I love it. And it's deep. Yeah, super deep. Uh, he probably knows who the, he probably knows, he probably personally knows who the Gamaguchi band is or if Gamaguchi is a dude and then has hung out and ate with him at the Denny's on Sunset. 
There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. I don't mean to make fun of you. I wholeheartedly love what you do. So here is Gamaguchi. How many times am I going to get to say that today? Here's Gamaguchi with I'm going to buy me a dog. My girl just called me up and woke me from my sleep. You should have heard the thing she said. You know she hurt my feelings deep. I'm going to buy me a Gamaguchi, I just like saying. I know, that. man. Maybe my, my new mantra: Gamaguchi, Gamaguchi, Gamaguchi. <laughs> and here is our third version. I and love this record. I'm so glad you found this. This is so much fun. We are saving the best for last. Yeah. Someone you you know you think Gamaguchi is an interesting name, but here is Fingers Lee. Yep. With I'm gonna buy me a dog. This. Uh, 45 was issued in January 1966 in the UK long before the monkeys issued their first album on October 10th 1966 so here we go the song that Davy Jones was cosmologically aligned to perform performed before him no I guess Davy would have performed it before him on the TV show right wow Mind blown. My own mind is blown <laughs> by me. On your own show. There we go. On my own show and everything. All right. Here's Fingers. So here, here's Fingers Lee. I'm going to buy me a dog. Because I need a friend now. I'm going to buy me a dog. My little girl don't love me no how. Buy me a dog. Cause I need a friend now. I'm 
Okay, see what I mean? I love that record. You got to find it in the playlist. It's fantastic. Play it all the way through. That's right. Um, I just, I love, oh, there's so much fun stuff going on in there. Because you think, you, you know, you have a tendency to write off this song because it's a novelty record. And how many times can you hear Shaving Cream or Dead Skunk, right? Until you go, okay, I get it. Rest of my life. Right. Yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> but this is, yeah, I want Shaving Cream played at my funeral now that I think about it. <laughs> and I want everybody singing. Or pop goes the weasel and have the casket fly open. That'll be fun. <laughs> just to make that, nah! or not even pop it open, just to have people look and go, Did yeah. he, "Is he going to do it? Is he going to do yeah. it? Is he going to?" Oh, powers! <laughs> no, I lo- I like this Fingers Lee uh, single a lot. I was thinking as as you were playing it, I was thinking, <laughs> imagine being Boyce and Hart in like August yeah. of 1966, right? Before this album comes out, before Clarksville comes out and thinking, uh, our biggest, our most covered record so far is I'm going to buy me a dog. That's our best work so far. Yeah. <laughs> and it all turned around. Like it all turned immediately, around. right? Yep. Because I mean, Clarksville, come on. What a great record. Fantastic song. Yep. So there we are. We have brought you the Frankenstein version, the reconstructing, if you will, of the first Monkeys album. It's alive! We put it on the operating table, cut it up, repurposed it, repackaged it, threw it back at you, made it all nice and shiny. I'm kind of disappointed that as we were looking for monkey covers, we never found one by Edgar Winter because that would bring the whole Frankenstein theme full circle. There you go, man. It was weird. Uh, you know, you'd grow up and every once in a while you have somebody in band and you know that they're trying that out still to this day. Yeah. That there are bands still, high school bands playing. Like the uh, Golden Strings uh, Orchestra. You mean like high school marching bands marching along in a football game or like three high school buddies in a garage trying to form a power pop band? Yeah, that's not a, that's not the first song you want to start out learning how to play. No. Right? Hey guys, let's start a band and be a Moody Blues cover band. That'd be great. Nope, nope, bad idea. Nope. So there we go. We've put the monster on the slab, if you will, and <laughs> the monster that is the first Monkeys album. We hope that you enjoyed it. I love spending time with you today, Tim. I love spending time with our listeners today. We're so glad to have you out there. Yeah, it's this is um I've been a part of Zilch from close to the beginning and uh, it, it's always so much fun to get behind the mic with you, old buddy, and just and play with some of this stuff and just share our affection for this uh, for this silly little 58 episode TV show. You know, our uh, uh, affection or the infection. I mean, it's it's got a hold of us, right? <laughs> you got to watch the monkey virus. That's right. Be safe out there. Love one another. We'll see you all on the next episode of Zilch. Sarah Clark, Roseanne Walsh. Christine, the button queen, everybody. We have our round a cast of characters, if you will. We'll all be back at some point. And don't forget to check out the monkeys coming on tour to hopefully a town near you. And also 7A, 7A, the uh, fantastic new album, Dolan's Sings Nesmith. And of course, Andrew's book, which it's, it's a thing, man. It's happening. Yep. It is happening. 
So it's going to be excellent. This is a great time to be a fan. Check out all the people over at Cool Cherry Cream. They have so much info on all the Monkeys TV episodes and the movie and quotes and pictures. And it's just a Monkeys fan dream. And speaking of Monkeys fan dreams, let's check out monkeys live almanac just a plug for them we love them over there they uh put our show up every time that it's it's up and they they treat us good and we are part of this with them and we love everybody out there monkey fandom so indeed that's enough from me is that enough from you it's more than enough from me (laughs) we had more than enough from me after clarksville man but yes always a pleasure ken Uh, i will see you in uh in st louis old buddy i cannot wait to uh to catch the show and to hoist a cold frosty fitz's root beer with you dear friend and we will wear our zilch buttons for the final monkeys tour say see you tim (laughs) see you tim and that's the end bye (laughs) and that's our show Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Here we come, hunting down the street. We get the scariest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monsters. And people say we monster around. But we're too busy scaring to put anybody down. We go wherever we want to, hunt who we like to do. The only time the wolfman is restless is when there's a full moon. Hey, hey, we're the monsters, and people say we monster around, but we're too busy scaring to put anybody down. We're just trying to be scary. Come and watch us haunt and play. We're the monster generation, and we've got something to say. Anytime or anywhere, just look over your shoulder. A monster might be standing there. Hey, hey, we're the monsters. And people say we monster around. But we're too busy scaring to put anybody down. Ah, one time. Ha, 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 ha. Two times. Ha, 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 ha. Three times. Three. Come here. I want to bite your neck. Why? Are you thirsty? No, I just want to see if your neck breaks. Hey, hey, we're the monsters. People say we monster around. But we're too busy scaring to put anybody down. We're the monsters. Yes, you know we're the monsters. Ow!